Those of us that are remaining, I would invite you to turn to the Gospel of Luke and the 17th chapter. Our text this morning will be Luke 17, verses 11 through 19. Hear now the very Word of God that is sufficient, inerrant, and authoritative. Luke Chapter 17. On the way to Jerusalem, he was passing along between Samaria and Galilee. And as he entered a village, he was met by ten lepers who stood at a distance and lifted up their voices, saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. When he saw them, he said to them, Go and show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed. Then one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back, praising God with a a loud voice, and he fell on his face at Jesus' feet, giving him thanks. Now he was a Samaritan. Then Jesus answered, Were not ten cleansed? Where are the nine? Was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? And he said to him, Rise and go your way. Your faith has made you whole. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you are indeed our God. We thank you, O Lord, that you have given to us your word. And we pray, Lord, that you would meet us by means of your word and your spirit this morning. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, when I was a child, not a very young child, but a slightly older child, one of the things, one of the tasks that was most troublesome, most distasteful to me, was the post-birthday, post-Christmas thank you card writing. (laughs) Have you ever had that? You know the scenario. You've got all these little cards and your mother is hovering over you saying, you know, you've got to write that card to Aunt Edna. And she got you those nice pair of socks. And you've got to go through, it seems like the more blessed you are, the more burdened you are because you've got to write, you know, a thank you card to everyone. You know, it doesn't matter that grandma lives with great grandma in the same house. You've still got to write two. You've got to write one and address one to each of them. And... Sometimes you almost can wish, well, you know, I would, I would rather not even get anything, so I wouldn't have to write these cards. And part of it is just the work of it. Part of it's not knowing what to say. And sometimes part of it is you're not really thankful for the gift you got. And so you're trying to put that out. Maybe you've had that experience. Maybe you've had that experience with trying to get your children to write thank you cards. It's something that I think all of us are familiar with. I think if we just take that to a spiritual level, it will help us to understand another one of these sins that entangles us, one of these sins that's so easy to excuse, so easy to say it's not that important, and yet really affects our walk with the Lord. We're going to talk this morning about thanklessness, about being thankful instead of being ungrateful. There's a lot of words for it, thankless, ingratitude, ungrateful. It's something 
that we can see everywhere in the church, in our families, in our own hearts, if we're honest with ourselves. And so what I would like us to do this morning is looking at this text that we have before us in Luke 17, kind of the classic text for being uh, unthankful. I'd like us to look first at the duty to be thankful. And I use that word particularly, the duty to be thankful. And then we're going to look at the danger of not being thankful. So there is a duty to be thankful. We are required to be thankful. But there is also a danger to not being thankful. But then finally, I would like us to look at and understand that it is not sufficient to have a duty to be thankful. We must have a desire to be thankful, where duty becomes desire. So let us now then come together and look at this subject and Luke 17. First, our duty to be thankful. You know, why should we be thankful? Have you ever thought about that? Why should we always have to be thankful for all of these things that we get? Why should we have to be thankful to God? Why do we owe Him this? Is this just something that's particular to those who've been delivered from a great difficulty, perhaps cancer or some large illness or a burning building or a hurricane? Or is it something that's required of all of us? The first thing that I'd like us to see here in the duty is that this duty is rooted in creation. It is rooted in creation. You see, we are to be thankful because God is our creator. There is a distinction between the maker and the made, the creator and the creature. He is the reason that we exist. He has created us. And so we need to get out of our minds this modern American mentality in the church and in our spiritual lives. You know, we're very good, I I imagine, many of us, of pointing out this sin of ingratitude throughout our nation. We see it in the very word that we describe government programs now, entitlements. It's something that I get because I deserve it. The government should just give me. My neighborhood should just give me. My parents should just give me. I'm entitled to it. We almost have a sense of that we are owed these things. Perhaps my favorite example of this as a middle-aged man is with respect to Social Security. Those who are retired imagine that they are owed money, that they are owed more money than they've put in in their entire lives in the first two years that they collect because of inflation. Now, that's not to say that we shouldn't take care of those who are elderly among us, but the mentality of entitlement and being owed is completely foreign to our relationship with God. You see, God is our creator. He is sovereign. He controls all aspects of our lives. He is the one that provides blessing to us. And everything that we have comes from His hand. It's a bit like parents and children, isn't it? We expect children to be thankful to their parents. Why? Because they ought to. Because, but for their parents, they would not be able to live. My guess is, left to his own devices, Wyatt would last about 72 hours. Maybe a little more. Right? Right? Babies can't take care of themselves, but it doesn't get much better when we grow up into three and four and five-year-olds, does it? Who would cook for us? Who would clean us? Who would take care of us? 
Doesn't get much better, teens. You who are shuttled all over the known universe by parents slash taxi cab drivers. And I'm imagining that more than a few college students receive at least some support from their parents. Even the ones that get no tuition, you don't go to college naked. You go with clothing. You go with food. You go with preparation. And as we age, we become then dependent upon our children. So we are people who are dependent on others because of our relationships. We can see that very easily with parents and children. We need to see that with God because God is our creator. But the duty is not just based on the relationship itself. There is also an explicit command in the Bible to be thankful. This is not something that is optional. It's not something that is only applicable to super-Christians. Well, you have to be thankful if you're an elder, or if you want to be an officer, or if you're a Sunday school teacher. No. We need to be thankful because God commands it. Paul writes in Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 20, that as a part of everyday life, we are to give thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. If you have opportunity later and you flip in your Bibles to Ephesians 5, you will see that what Paul is describing is the ordinary life of a Christian. The relationship of husband to wife, wife to husband, masters to servants, servants to masters, children to parents. It's a part of ordinary life to be thankful. But it's not just that it's a part of ordinary life. God commands things for our good. Isn't that true? And the only way that we can have real peace of mind, God says, is to be thankful. You know the famous verse. We looked at it two weeks ago. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplications. Now, here's the bold part. With thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Do you want to kill anxiety in your life? Did you see the benefit of not being anxious as the winds howled and the fence came down and the tree came in the roof? Well, the only way to really defeat anxiety is to be thankful, is to lift up those supplications to God with thanksgiving. It's for our own good that we are commanded. We see this laid out here in the story in Luke 17. Let's look at this passage from two perspectives. First, let's look at this passage from the story of the one, the one man. Jesus is on the way to Jerusalem. He's going in this area between Samaria and Galilee. It's kind of a no man's land. It's the area where you're in Galilee and all everything is good, or you're in Samaria and everything is bad. Nobody likes the Samaritans. They're not, they don't worship God right. They don't obey the right laws. They don't have the right Bible. By the way, their roots are in pagan invaders coming in and setting them up. And so Jesus walks here and he sees a group of ten men. Ten men who are brought in common by one thing. A disease. We don't know anything else about them except their nationality. We don't know whether they were rich or poor, married or single, with children or barren. But we do know that they're all together and one of them asks Jesus for help. One, I want to focus on now. 
He seeks Jesus for help, lifting up his voice, saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on me. You see, he knows where to go for help. This one lifts up his voice in the midst of his difficulties, his trials and his affliction. It's very difficult to think about how bad it would be to be a leper. Having a hurricane come through your town is one thing. Having the financial markets collapse is another thing. But it's something particularly difficult to have a disease where you are not permitted to have contact with anyone. As a matter of fact, as you walk down the street, you are commanded by the law to yell at the top of your lungs, unclean, unclean, so that people run away from you. So you're not even supposed to have accidental contact. And he knows that his only hope here is in the Lord Jesus. And so he goes to Jesus and asks for mercy. And Jesus offers a short command. It actually is quite odd. He says, go and show yourselves to the priests. Now, you have to think, what was this leper thinking? Jesus doesn't say, come here and I'll heal you. He doesn't touch him as he touched the other lepers. He doesn't pick up some clay off the ground. There's no sign whatsoever that he would be healed. Only one thing, the promise of God. Because you see, Leviticus talks about you go to the priest when you have been healed from leprosy so he may pronounce you whole. You, there weren't doctors to shut off quarantine. It was the priest's job to examine you to let them know that they did not have leprosy anymore. And so this leper obeys the Lord Jesus. He hears and he obeys. And as he's on his way to go to the priest, you can almost imagine it. They're walking down and he's looking and he says, wait a minute, I used to have spots there. No way. And he pulls off his shirt. I used to have leprosy all over there. Look, check my back. Do I have leprosy on my back? No. My face? No. I'm healed. I'm healed. And the very first thing that comes into his mind is to turn around and thank the Lord Jesus. It's a sharp contrast to what we'll see in just a bit. And he comes and he throws himself at the feet of Jesus. And I want you to think about this in terms of the duty of gratitude. This one leper thought more about gratitude than he did about appearance. You see, he's now whole. He can now be entered back into society. But here he is on his knees in front of the one who has healed him. The only thing that is on his mind is showing gratitude. And Jesus tells us where that gratitude comes from. In verse 19, he says, Rise and go your way. Your faith has made you well. You see, real thankfulness comes from faith. That's why it's the duty of a believer. One who is possessed by faith, empowered by the Lord Jesus Christ, who has his will renewed by the Holy Spirit. Only he can be thankful. Well, what are we supposed to be thankful for? Well, briefly and comprehensively, we're to be thankful for all things. All things. 
Not just those things that we like best, not just those things that we think are most unexpected. You see, we're to be thankful for first and foremost our temporal blessings, for our life, for our health, for our family. Anyone who has ever been deprived of health or family for some period of time knows how much they mean to them. And that inspires thankfulness in us. We're to be thankful for the provision that God has given to us, the way He provides for us day in and day out all of the things that we need. But wait, you say, a hurricane just came through town and I didn't have power for, I don't know, it was one day for me. I was blessed. Maybe you had three. Maybe you had six or eight days. Maybe you didn't have water. Maybe you didn't have a whole house. Have you stopped and thought that even if you had no water and no electricity and a damaged home, you are still more blessed than a large percentage of the world who lives every day with bad water and no electricity and in a mud hut? You see, God provides for us even in the midst of trials and difficulties. It doesn't make those difficulties unreal. It doesn't mean we should walk around the house as rain comes in, whistling, saying everything is great. But what it does give us is an attitude of thankfulness to the Lord even in the midst of difficulties. Should we be thankful for our temporal blessings? Yes. But how much more for our spiritual blessings? Have you thanked the Lord for the gospel? Have you thought about the wonder that thousands of years later and thousands of miles away, the gospel has come to you? It didn't need to. You could have been born in Germany in 40 A.D. and perhaps never even heard the word. You could live in a place where you could not open up the word of God and read it in several different versions and have the original available to you and helps to read it. This is a blessing of God. It's a spiritual blessing that we, especially as Americans, should be thankful for every day. My guess is that many of you have more Bibles in your homes than entire villages in China have. This is a blessing that we should be thankful for. But we should also be thankful for the fellowship of fellow believers. You know, oftentimes as we think of church the first thing that comes to our mind are all the things that are wrong with it. The worship isn't quite like I would like it to be. My Bible study group isn't studying the thing I would quite like them to. I wish we had this emphasis in ministry. I wish we could do that. I wish I wouldn't have this conflict with this person. When in reality, we need to remember that the fellowship of believers is a singular blessing from God. He did not need to band us together as His people, calling us together to support one another, to love one another, to encourage one another. This is a blessing. Many of you, most of you, perhaps I dare say all of you, have felt this at one time or another. When you've been down and someone has come to you and said, can I pray for you? Or perhaps even better yet, I prayed for you this last week. How are you doing? When you've had a material need, and God's people have provided. When you have been blessed by instruction from God's Word, by teachers. When your family has been strengthened by those who encourage your children. 
This is something to daily be thankful to God for. But let us not forget the singular greatest spiritual blessing that we have. And that is the fact that the Lord Jesus Christ is ours. That God sent His Son to be born of a woman, to become one of us, that we might be His and He might be ours. That He might be our elder brother. That He might be the captain of our salvation. What a thing to be thankful for. So we're to be thankful for all things. When should we be thankful? Well, that doesn't get any easier either. We need to be thankful in all circumstances. We need to be thankful first in prosperity. Now, this might seem obvious, but you see, in prosperity, thankfulness follows contentment. What does that mean? That means that if we are not in our prosperity, and again, I remind you as I have before, that you are wealthier than the wealthiest of people that have lived throughout the history of the world. If we are not thankful for what we have, then that means we're not content with what we have. There's that sin of covetousness coming up again. Dare I say that sin of anxiety again, that we don't know that we have enough that we can take care of ourselves. You see, thankfulness follows from contentment. And if we're thankful in our prosperity, it encourages us that we are content. You know, there is an entirely new season of life that was unknown up until the last about 50 to 80 years. It's a season of life called retirement. Before then, retirement had a different name. It was called death. When Social Security was first enacted, the first year that you collect was three or four years past the average life expectancy. People did not retire and move to Florida and play shuffleboard for 25 years. They just didn't do it. They worked. They ministered. They helped. In the same way, we should not have an expectation that we can just sit around and do nothing and we are owed everything. Does this mean you can never retire from your job? No. But what it means is you can never retire from your relationship with God and you can never retire from ministering to others. It's just a new season of life. We can't have these kinds of expectations. We're to be thankful not just in prosperity but in adversity as well. Paul says in 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 18, Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus. I need to remind you that this thankful man who is healed of being a leper is still a Samaritan. It would have been far easier for this man to see that he was healed and say, Well, but I'm still a Samaritan. A lot of good that does me to be healed from leprosy. I still can't go into Jerusalem. I still can't go into the temple. I still can't be a part of that synagogue. He had difficult circumstances. He still probably had loss and pain from the leprosy. For all we know, he'd lost his family forever. He might still have scars from that. But yet, he was thankful in all these circumstances. Perhaps the most difficult place to be thankful is not prosperity and not adversity. 
the most difficult place to be thankful is in the midst of temptation. Isn't that true? You see, that's when we feel loneliest, isn't it? That's when we're most apt to forget God and His benefits. When we think we're all alone and we are helpless against sin. That's when we need to remember thankfulness most. Why? How does being thankful help me with temptation? Well, husbands, the next time you are traveling out of town, the surest defense against those channels on the TV is to be thankful for your wife. There is no way that you can give in to that temptation if you have a true level of thankfulness to God for what He has given to you in your wife and family. Children, the surest way to defeat the temptation of grumbling, complaining, whining is to be thankful for the daily care your parents give to you. To be thankful that there's food in front of you, even if it's not your favorite vegetable. To be thankful that you have something, even if it's not your favorite color. That's the surest guard against temptation. It's true for the Christian as well. We might be tempted to grumble and complain, guilty as charged, about our easement that should have been awarded to us in about 48 hours and took, I don't know, Steve, five months. We ought to be... Not surprised that we could grumble and complain about the delay in the steel for our building. Or even the fact that we can't be in Taylor, even though everything seems to be fine in Katy. Rather, instead, we need to focus upon the things that we could be thankful for and what God is doing, the work that He is doing in our midst. Sure, we are not in Taylor High School right now. But the work that God has done in your lives and mine this past week as we've had challenges from the hurricane far outweigh sitting in our normal place of comfort for one additional Sunday. To be thankful for the work of God. Well, there's a danger of not being thankful. We looked at the duty to be thankful. There's a danger to not being thankful. The first thing is that it harms us. Let's look now at the story of the nine. It's similar. They see Jesus and they seek Him out for help. They cry out, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. They too hear Jesus' command. They too begin to obey. They too walk down the road. They too perhaps look at their hands, look at their arms, look at their backs and say, we're healed. Isn't this great? What are you going to do now, Josiah? I'm going to go home and I'm going to drink the new wine. What are you going to do, Zechariah? I'm going to go home and start my business. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. Well, let's get on with it. What do they forget? No thought at all is given to thanking the one who had healed them. They're only thinking of themselves. And here is the point that I hope pricks. These nine are God's people. Not the Samaritan. These nine are of the people of God. These nine are pew-sitters in the church. And thanklessness comes over them like a wave. And they push on to their own 
desires and needs. And you see, the danger here is that it harms us because we begin to ignore our need. These lepers knew their need until they were cured. Then they forgot about it. Then they thought they were in charge and they could do whatever they wanted. And what happens is bitterness will then grow in us. You see, if we're not thankful for what we have received, anytime we come across a need again, we begin to come, become bitter. Why did God give us this cross? Why did God put this in front of us? Why don't we have? Why? 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 Instead of focusing upon what God has done. There's another thing that thanklessness is dangerous. We begin to make ourselves self-sufficient. In the book of Deuteronomy, God warns the people of Israel in chapter 8. He says, you're going to go into this land and you're going to forget that I've redeemed you. You're going to forget that I've given you food. You're going to forget that I've done all these things. And you're going to turn around and say, isn't it great what we've done? And you're going to be thankless. This is the legacy of Israel. It perhaps is behind all of those rebellions along the path of the Exodus. They had keep forgetting what God had done for them. We make ourselves out to be self-sufficient, like we can do everything. But it doesn't just harm us. It's not just that our lives are a bit more miserable. Thanklessness also harms our witness. It harms our witness. Have you noticed here what Jesus is concerned about in this passage? It's very interesting. Because my guess is it's not what you or I would be concerned about. Jesus heals them. One comes back. Nine don't. And what might we say? Well, not any one of those other nine came back to thank me. But have you noticed that's not what Jesus says? What he says is, no one is found to return and what? Give praise to God. Do you see what Jesus is focused on? You see, this is not a picture of our Lord as a nagging mother who walks behind her child and says, you didn't say thank you. You should really thank me for this. No. Jesus is not concerned about himself. He's concerned about the glory of God. Because you see, thankfulness glorifies God. And it shows him as powerful before everyone else. Thanklessness, being in, ungrateful, ingratitude, is a sign of being an unbeliever. You remember we said before that covetousness is idolatry. And it defines a believe, an unbeliever. And anxiety is something that unbelievers are in the grips of and cannot get free of. So too, thanklessness. Tim, Paul writes this in 2 Timothy, writing about the last days. But understand this, that in the last days there will come times of difficulty. For people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, unholy. And all God's people said, Amen, repent of that. Right? Until you realize I've left one word out if you're reading along. Right along with unholy, right along with lovers of money, right along with abusive is 
ungrateful. It's a sign of the wickedness of the times. Don't you see that everywhere? Everywhere we go, we see unthankfulness, ingratitude. And you see, once again, we see that we are not permitted to pick and choose amongst the good sins and the bad sins. We can be ungrateful just so long as we're not disobedient. We can be ungrateful just so long as we're not abusive. No, Paul puts these all together. As a matter of fact, when Paul writes, describing the unregenerate mind, the mind that is in rebellion against God, in Romans chapter 1, he says, For although they knew God, they did not honor Him or give thanks to Him. But they became futile in their thinking, and their foolish hearts were darkened. You see, Paul actually puts giving thanks to God on a par with giving honor to God. Not being thankful is the damage to our witness. And we see that here with the nine. Because it's awfully sad that they were God's people. Imagine an observer seeing the whole event play out. Seeing the one come back and the nine never come back. And then the next day going into synagogue. And seeing the nine sitting there proudly, opening up their hymn books, singing as loud as they can. Where were you? Why weren't you thankful? It's a damage to our witness. Finally, and briefly, we not only have a duty to be thankful, there is not only a danger to not being thankful, but God, by His Spirit, pushes us to a desire to be thankful. It's where duty becomes desire that the regenerate heart is evidenced. Where we're thankful not just simply because it's a box we can check off so as not to run afoul of Deuteronomy 8, but rather it's something that wells out of a heart that loves the Lord Jesus. Where does this desire come from? How can we encourage it in ourselves? First, I think, by remembering who we are. Remember who you are. If you know who you are, you cannot help but be thankful because who are you, Christian? You are a recipient of free, sovereign grace. There is nothing in you that was beautiful. Nothing in you deserving of love. Nothing in you deserving of saving. And yet God, by His mercy, for his own good pleasure, sent the Lord Jesus Christ to redeem you from sin and death. If you remember who you are, you must be thankful and you must be humble because you know that but for the grace of God, there go you in every difficulty that you see. J.C. Ryle, the good old evangelical bishop, has a wonderful quote. He says, Thankfulness is a flower which will never bloom excepting upon a root of deep humility. Thankfulness flowers where we know who we are and who God is and what we owe to Him. Not just remembering who we are, though. Let's also remember what God has done, that He has provided for us. This is what God warned the Israelites about in Deuteronomy 6. He says, when you go into this land 
And you get these good cities that you did not build and these houses which you did not fill. And you reap the benefits from vineyards that you did not plant. Remember what I have done for you. Remember that I brought you up out of Egypt and be thankful. And this is a thankfulness that flows not just from the hope that God will give us more. This is not just, I saw God provide this to me, now I know He'll provide that to me. No, it springs from true gratitude. And this is especially true in its spiritual aspect. The Heidelberg Catechism, question number two, summarizes the life of one who is redeemed by the Lord Jesus Christ. It says, How many things are necessary for you to know that you, enjoying this comfort, that is the comfort that you are God's, may live and die happily? And the answer is three. The first, how great my sins and miseries are. That seems obvious. Second, how I may be delivered from all my sins and miseries. Again, that seems wonderful and obvious. But it's the third. Put on a par with those two. How I shall express my gratitude to God for such deliverance. How much thought have you given to that lately, Christian? You may have dwelt on your sin. You may have dwelt on the goodness and greatness of Jesus. But have you dwelt upon how you can best show your gratitude to the Lord God for pulling you up out of your sin and misery and giving you Jesus Christ? Finally, remember what God has promised to do. Not just what He has done, but that what He has promised to do. Paul also wrote, He who began a good work in you will perform it. God has promised complete deliverance. This should spur us on to thankfulness because you see the work that God does here is just the start. This is just, this isn't even the appetizer, folks. This is some saltines you have in the car on your way into the banquet. How much more do we have to be thankful for than what the Lord has provided to us? Why is this such an important sin? In conclusion, it's because ingratitude is infectious. My guess is, in my sanctified imagination, that the Israelites didn't all just at the same moment decide to grumble about food or water or something. It started somewhere. And it spread like wildfire. Those of you that have more than one child know how that works in a family. And pretty soon, a little bit of ingratitude gives you a whole rebellion around the kitchen table. But the promise of God is that just as ingratitude is infectious, so is gratitude. Do you want to see others around you treat themselves and you better? Do you want to see spiritual growth in others? Then show thankfulness in their presence. Thank the Lord for what He has given, especially when it's something that you could easily take credit for yourself. Give God the glory. One of the most powerful tools we have for witnessing is gratitude. That is why we must this day kill this sin of ingratitude by the power of God's Spirit.
and the Lord Jesus Christ. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we pray you would make us a grateful people. We thank you, Lord, for all of the things you give to us, the way you provide for us day in and day out. Lord, we ask that you would show us more of your goodness to us and well up in our lives gratitude. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Now hear the Lord's blessing. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ empower you to give all thanksgiving to the one who loves you, the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit, now and forever. Amen.